Hi, and welcome to another episode of Pasha. My name is Inas Kosana. And I'm Gottfried Boafo. Thanks for joining us. In today's episode, we look into the possibility of a resurgence of COVID-19 cases in South Africa. Our guest is Professor Madi. He is a professor of vaccinology and director of the Vaccines and Infectious Disease Analytics Research Unit at the University of Witwatersrand in South Africa. He starts by discussing how likely the country is to see a resurgence of COVID-19 cases. Uh, the reasons why South Africa is likely to experience a resurgence is where we stand currently in terms of the epidemic. Uh, based on, as an example, data from the Western Cape, it indicates that roughly about 35 to 40% of adults, uh, especially those that are attending antenatal clinics and people living with HIV might have been infected. Now, South Africa obviously has, the current wave has been sort of waning and the reason for the waning of the current wave of the epidemic in South Africa in the West, using the Western Cape as an example, is a high likelihood that what's happened together with the use of non-pharmaceutical interventions, an adequate percentage of the population has been infected to the virus, and that has uh, resulted in a break in terms of the chain of transmission of the virus. And to some extent, it is what's also referred to as herd immunity, but not herd immunity in a stricter sense, because this is taking place in the context of uh, use of non-pharmaceutical interventions such as a face mask, physical distancing, and uh, avoiding of overcrowded spaces. So the way it works is that when you're using this sort of non-pharmaceutical interventions, that itself will obviously reduce the rate of transmission of the virus. And then added to that, when a significant percentage of the population become immune or develop some level of immunity against the virus, that basically allows for there to be great interruption in terms of the chain of transmission and hence what we see evolving is this decline in the wave. Now what is likely to be experienced in South Africa is that as people become more complacent with the use of these non-pharmaceutical interventions, we probably will start seeing a resurgence in terms of the spread of the virus and infection of one person to another. The resurgence will not be as bad as what was experienced the first time. This is because between 35 and 40% of adults were already infected in the first wave of the outbreak in major urban areas. Now, in contrast to South Africa, the reason why they're actually experiencing a resurgence of the virus in Europe, in, as an example in Spain, in Italy, in the United Kingdom, is sort of somewhat different from what we can expect in South Africa. So after the first wave of the epidemic in Europe, and taking Spain as an example, uh, it's only about 10% of the adult population that were infected with the virus following the first wave. So what ended up happening in many of the European countries is they went into a hard lockdown at a time when there was a surge in terms of the number of cases and when healthcare facilities were becoming completely overwhelmed. So very much at the time of the peak of the epidemic. And consequently, that lockdown actually assisted them in terms of interrupting the chain of transmission of the virus. And consequently, there was a decline in terms of that first wave. But now what they're experiencing after coming back from the summer vacation period, uh, where there was very likely a poor adherence uh, to, this, to the use of non-pharmaceutical interventions, where there was very likely engagement in, engagement in the setting of overcrowded situations, uh, they're now experiencing this resurgence of the virus, but they're experiencing it in a context where 90% of the population still remains susceptible to being infected. In contrast, 
South Africa had at least one-third of people in major metropolitan areas who were infected. If there is a resurgence, it won't spread as fast as it is in European countries. How can it be avoided? Well, it's really almost impossible to avoid a resurgence uh, unless uh, people continue adhering to the use of non-pharmaceutical interventions until a vaccine becomes available. And even when a vaccine becomes available, at least two-thirds of the population would need to be to, would need to develop immunity, either through vaccination or natural infection, to be able to avoid this sort of resurgence. So it's all about the behavior of citizens which is going to influence when the resurgence occurs, as well as to some extent what the magnitude of that resurgence would be. Uh, so I don't think it's practical for non-island nations. It might be feasible in New Zealand or in Iceland or exceptionally in South Korea and perhaps one of few other countries for the, where they've been successful in terms of containing the spread of the virus right at the outset. It would be a false belief to think South Africa can avoid a resurgence. It is going to happen. The main question is, when will it take place? An example is in the Western Cape, where there might be some level of uptake in terms of COVID-19 deaths reported over and above what is expected for this time of year. The country might be seeing the start of some resurgence, even if it's at a low level, but there will definitely be a resurgence over the next few months. If there is a resurgence, will it be different from the other countries? Uh, now, in South Africa, it's sort of a different situation in that the reason why the epidemic waned in South Africa is not because of us going into a high level of lockdown. On the contrary, what happened in South Africa is the epidemic was uh, gaining momentum. We ended up going to lower levels of restrictions in terms of what people were being asked to do. As an example, uh, when before we had even peaked, just before we had peaked, uh, we started to allow for 100% taxi occupancy and we started to allow for the reopening of places of worship. Now, inadvertently, what probably ended up happening in South Africa is because of that sort of mismatch between what, what European countries did when the virus was surging and what South Africa did, where we became more lenient in terms of allowing people to engage as the virus was peaking, inadvertently what ended up happening uh, is that a much higher percentage of the adult population were likely infected in South Africa with the first wave of the outbreak, probably anything between 35 to 45%. That makes the country different to European countries with the resurgence in terms of what they are experiencing to what South Africa will experience. Unlike in Europe, South Africa has a sizable immunity because so many people were infected already. This assists in breaking the chain of transmission of the virus. It's likely that there will be fewer cases and a slower rate of infection because some level of immunity will have been developed. A resurgence is unlikely to hit South Africa as hard as it hits Europe because there is some level of immunity to the virus in the country. The curve has plateaued, but that doesn't mean the virus is gone. How far away are potential vaccines? So this virus is not going away. Even if there is a vaccine that becomes available, the, the SARS-CoV-2 virus is not going to be eliminated. Very, very unlikely. Uh, it might happen over many, many years, but extremely unlikely. In all likelihood, I think this virus is going to become a more sort of a seasonal type of virus where every now and then you get flare-ups. Uh, and the frequency of those flare-ups, again, depends on what type of immunity is induced by natural infection in terms of its robustness, as well as its, the duration of that immunity, as well as whether vaccines do become available. So right now, in terms of the vaccine uh, pipeline, uh, it's unlikely that a country such as South Africa is going to get any sort of meaningful quantity of 
COVID-19 vaccine before probably the third quarter of 2021. So we're probably still going to go through a resurgence without COVID-19 vaccines being available to South Africa. Uh, where we are with the vaccine studies is that uh, globally we expect uh, results from at least two or maybe three of the vaccines uh, in terms of whether they're safe and whether they're effective in protecting against COVID-19. We expect those results to come uh, probably by the end of this year. Uh, the studies that are being done in South Africa uh, is, are unlikely to yield a result uh, by the end of this year because like we know we've basically experienced a downward turn in terms of this wave of the, of the outbreak, which means that even though we are still recruiting and enrolling people into the study, uh, many of the participants are not being exposed to the virus because of the reduced circulation of the virus in the community. And for these studies to be able to answer the question as to whether it protects against COVID-19 or not, Unfortunately, we do require some individuals to end up getting COVID-19 before we can do that analysis. Should precautions be taken to prevent a resurgence? What do these precautions look like? Yeah, so what needs to happen, uh, there's no preventing a second wave. I don't think that we in any situation to be able to prevent a second wave, uh, simply because the virus is circulating in the country and even though there's been a waning of the first wave. Uh, the number of uh, new cases that have been reported on a daily basis is still quite high, despite a reduction in terms of the number of tests that have been done. So we're still reporting 1,200, 1,600 new cases per day, which itself probably is an underestimate in terms of the true number of people that are in being infected. So there's no completely uh, avoiding a resurgence simply because the virus has not been contained in terms of its transmission. Uh, what can we do to try to avoid it? Like I said, we can't avoid it, but what we can do, we could try to get citizens, citizens to understand why they actually need to adhere to these non-pharmaceutical interventions. And it's all about ensuring that we don't have a rapid resurgence rather than a resurgence, because what we're trying to avoid is overwhelming of our healthcare facilities. So other than asking people to do what they've been requested to do when we were dealing with the first wave, and that is wearing of face masks in public spaces, avoiding of overcrowded situations, uh, when indoors or in any closed space, ensuring adequate ventilation, hand hygiene, uh, and physical distancing, other than asking people to continue adhering or practicing those sort of uh, recommendations, there isn't much else we can do to prevent the resurgence. Can you tell us about South Africa's travel restrictions and your thoughts on them? So the travel restrictions that have been imposed uh, in terms of travelers to South Africa, uh, in my mind, doesn't actually uh, add too much value when it comes to be able to contain the spread of the virus uh, in as to what's happening currently, as well as in terms of what to expect moving forward. So the reality is that Unlike a country such as New Zealand or Australia, where they've been able to contain spread of the virus, for those countries to be able to maintain the status, they need to keep their borders shut, essentially. Uh, because if people come in with the virus, then they're going to start getting flare-ups. And we need to remember those sort of flare-ups are occurring in communities where the majority of people, probably 98% of people, are susceptible to being infected because of how successful those countries have been in terms of being able to contain the spread of the virus when there was an in initial introduction of the virus. South Africa is in a very different situation. 
S is S is indicated by the surveillance that was done in the Western Cape, as well as some opportunistic surveillance that has been done in Gauteng, uh, at least about one third of the population, and probably in some settings as high as 45% of adults, have actually already been infected with this virus. Now, under those sort of circumstances, and when there's ongoing community transmission of the virus, uh, it's unlikely that the few uh, travelers that come into the country with a virus are going to add much fuel to the epidemic. Uh, unlike right at the start of the outbreak, when obviously the virus seeded in South Africa because of travelers, this time round, uh, when we're looking at the resurgence, uh, the contribution of travelers to that resurgence is likely to be extremely nominal. The strategy doesn't speak to the realities of what's happening in some countries. Almost none of the countries in Sub-Saharan Africa is on the red list, but that doesn't mean that COVID-19 isn't strongly present in these countries. The reality is that they are not testing enough to quantify the true number of cases in these countries, allowing people to enter South Africa who come from countries with limited testing under the belief that they have a low chance of bringing the virus into the country is incorrect. Now, the way to sort of uh, mitigate uh, that risk of imported cases, and I think we need to be sober about how much uh, we invest in terms of uh, trying to do that, uh, but the way to mitigate it is exactly what the, what, the, what the regulations ask for, and that is for any traveler that's coming into the country to have evidence that they tested negative for the virus at least 72 hours before entry. And once you've got that sort of a policy in place, which itself uh, is not foolproof, but once you've got that sort of policy in place, there's very little reason not to allow for people to travel into the country, irrespective of which country they're coming from. Thanks for tuning into this episode, produced by Inas Kosana and Ozea Patam. From me, Inas Kosana. And me, Godfrey Boafo. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye for now.